Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to another week here. Uh, I just want to make mention of this right off the right off the top here that for Wednesday's episode, I ha- have lined up a discussion with a local nurse who is an acquaintance of mine and uh This was the individual who went to the sheriff's department with me, and the two of us went there to inquire again about these bio shots. She has been a nurse for quite some time, and she has got some gnarly stories. I guarantee it. And uh, I've been trying to get her on the show here for a while, and she agreed a long time ago. And then we finally got a date. So that will be Wednesday's episode, so stay tuned for that one. In this episode, however, I've got a variety of education things to bring up, more news from Missouri as well, because as you might imagine, they, like most school districts, know that they are going to be struggling for substitutes, and they're trying to do whatever they can to get ahead of that with all of their patch jobs and uh, pseudo-remedies to try to fix that never-ending problem, which is, of course, only going to get worse. But I wanted to mention this first before I get into some other education-related stuff. And then, of course, I also have some monkeypox news as well and other dilemmas involving the jabs and sort of the social dilemma regarding the jab as well. And uh, I've got a couple of posts from GreatAwakening.Win that I wanted to read that I think are really interesting. And I'm certain it's something that we've all dealt with and are probably going to continue to deal with. But in the last episode, you heard me talking about the professional development stuff, and I I don't think I brought this up previously. I I certainly didn't in the last episode, but I meant to, and that is that I guarantee that, I mean, I would bet the fingers on my right hand that the professional development that has taken place within these universities, again, in particular teacher education programs, although probably less there, then certainly the K-12 public schools and private schools and charter schools all has to do with school safety. And I can see these, these morons standing in front of their, you know, their staff members saying, uh, you know, well, it's been a tough year regarding mass school shootings, M-A-S-S, over and over again, mass, mass, mass. Mass school shootings and school violence, and we just want to, you know, reiterate that, uh, we're doubling our efforts and doing whatever we can to make sure that everyone is safe. And so we're going to go over the safety procedures yet again to make sure that whatever. Here's the thing. Like most school policy, it's all based on a lie. Like most politics and most political law that is created in our countries, regardless of where you live, they are based on hoaxes and based on lies. All of the school policy regarding safety and trying to prevent mass shootings is very similar. I'm going to bring up one story later on, but I want to shake the hand of a person who stands or sits in one of those faculty meetings where this is being brought up and someone actually references Uvalde, Texas, and a staff member stands up and says, excuse me, can I have everyone's attention? Thank you. Uvalde didn't happen. No one died. It was fake. I want to shake that person's hand. I want to buy that person dinner. 
I want to buy them a beer. I really do. Because that person has their head on straight. But it begs the question, how many people who have their heads on straight are still working in these environments? And how many of them are actually going to have the courage to stand up in a faculty meeting and drop that truth bomb on everybody? I just, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how often that's going to happen. But again, if it does happen, or you are a teacher listening to this and you're out there, record yourself doing that. Please record yourself doing that and then gauge the reaction. You know, the, just the verbal tics or the, the nonverbal communication that exists, or even if someone starts booing, which they probably would, boo, sit down, conspiracy theorist. I mean, they probably do all of that. But man, I want that on tape. And I suppose that this really leads me to this first story. So I'll just mention this one first. This came from The Hill. And it's titled, North Carolina County Putting AR-15s in Every School for Security. Now, again, a lot of people blew this up and they were like, it's a statewide thing. Every school in North Carolina now is allowed to have ARs in their buildings. No, it's just in one county. And uh, again, this is, this is part of the problem. Um, Madison County, and again, I don't know if that's where Asheville, North Carolina is, uh, big hippie town, but either way, it's based on a lie. It's just based on a lie. I'm going to play the audio here from, uh, from this news outlet, but this is the problem. Again, having ARs in the trunk of a car, inside of a cop car, in the parking lot, I'm all for that. And again, more resource officers walking around with guns, fine. But the school shootings are hoaxes, ladies and gentlemen. They aren't real. The Ethan Crumbly thing, yes, that happened. No doubt about it. I'm learning more about the Parkland thing. It seems like that happened. But again, why would a you know, why would a why would an AR in the environment, and I know it might not sound popular, but I'm looking at this from multiple dimensions. I mean, we don't trust these teachers to teach curriculum. What makes people think that them having sidearms, let alone a rifle, which they wouldn't have a rifle, they might, you know, just have a sidearm. What, what makes us think that that's going to work out for anybody? It won't. That's not going to work out for anybody. Have more resource officers, like I've said in the past, not hitting on secretaries, but actually patrolling the hallways. But again, <laughs> this, again, this is not a safe environment under any stretch of the imagination. It just isn't. Why not just homeschool? That way you don't have to worry about incompetent teachers or Where's the resource officer? Or am I going to get punched in the back of the head? Or anything else? You don't have to worry about any of this. Again, homeschooling families are laughing their tails off every single time a story like this comes around. Because this just proves the giant government muscle that gets flexed every single time that a hoax makes, makes its way to the surface. People believe it, and then all of the sudden, Sheriffs are just like, we're doubling our efforts, just like the professional development in schools, and uh, we need more of a police presence because of all of these mass shootings. Joke's on them, the whole thing's fake. 
Now, here's a news report regarding the state of Ohio and all of this gun carrying in schools and in the classroom. So give this a listen. School employees to bring a gun to school as long as they complete at least 24 hours of state training and get the approval of their local school board. Still, the bill itself hasn't gotten the approval of Ohio's largest teachers unions. They're concerned about the safety of, of all this, the unintended consequences that happen from bringing a gun in the school. Melissa Cropper is president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers and Scott DeMauro, the Ohio Education Association. I wouldn't have felt comfortable carrying a firearm in my social studies classroom. Both say House Bill 99 raises questions about transparency. It specifies that school districts are required to keep a list of employees who are allowed to carry a firearm in a school safety zone, but that list is not a public record. We're not suggesting that individuals who are authorized to carry weapons be publicly identified. Um, but, you know, if there is a policy, a parent, you know, has the right to know if their child is attending a school uh, where the policy allows for teachers to be armed. The bill does require school districts to notify families if they've adopted the policy. I don't know that it goes into much detail about what that notification looks like. It says that notification should be by whatever means the affected school regularly communicates with the public, that the board or governing body has authorized one or more persons to go armed within a school operated by the board. It does not say whether school boards can share how many people they've authorized. So I definitely think that if a district goes that route, that parents should be informed how many people, which buildings they're in. Or whether parents can be notified if a gun is in their child's classroom. As a parent myself, I believe I have a right to know if my child's teacher has been authorized to carry a weapon. I asked Governor Mike DeWine, who pushed for House Bill 99, what he thinks parents have a right to know. So I think, you know, parents have a right to know all the different things that schools are doing to keep their kids safe unless, unless the disclosure of that piece of information would enable a would-be assailant. But when it comes to what public information the bill specifically allows... You know, I would have to go back uh, and, and look at the statute. I would also have to, you know, consult lawyers about that. Here's my problem with this. And again, I'm not anti-Second Amendment. Don't hit me with that nonsense. I'm the furthest from. We should be carrying five pistols on us at all times and a AR slung around our back, okay? That, that, that's, not, that's not what this is about. This is about dumb people making more work for themselves and creating more problems for themselves. That's what this is about. Take down the signs outside of schools that say gun-free zone. Take the signs down. It means nothing. Teachers should be allowed to carry guns in their cars all the time. All of the time. If they want to keep a gun in their room, locked away, go for it. I'm not against that either. That, 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 I mean, none of that bothers me. What bothers me is that these kinds of policies are being made by dumb people who aren't thinking, and it's creating more violence and more division and more distraction in an environment, I might add, that is supposed to have the least amount of distraction humanly possible in order for people to learn. But that's not happening. 
they're complicating the problem all of the time because this is what they do best. They make work for themselves constantly. And they don't understand that every single move that they make is almost always a bad one. It's just more paperwork. It's more rules and regulations. It's more what ifs. I mean, you heard Turtle Man DeWine there. You heard him say the same thing over and over again, which is just, it's so sleazy. You know, parents have a right to know unless, unless what? Unless they, like he was alluding to, unless an assailant would somehow find out. How would you know that? Are we talking about Minority Report now, where people uh, are engaging in pre-crime and we can recognize whether or not, you know, whether they're going to break the law before they actually do it? I mean, how, how does a, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Is it telepathy? Do people have telepathy now? Are they telepathic? It makes no sense. None of this, none of this stuff makes any sense. If you want to carry a gun, carry it. Keep, keep, definitely keep one in your car if you want to. But again, school shootings tend to not happen. Now, and again, most of them are hoaxes, in particular the, uh, the mass ones. They certainly tend to be, and again, even if they aren't, there's an awful lot of questions. Of course, who knew, and what did they know, and when did they know it, and what three-letter agency was involved, and allowing the person to own guns and communicate the way that they were and so on and so forth. So, I don't know. Again, in this story from The Hill, they reference Uvalde. That's, that's my overall point. They're referencing things that didn't happen. So, I don't know. It's exhausting. But you know this is a part of that nonsense professional development that's taking place. They're sitting around you know, referencing Uvalde, and now they're referencing Sandy Hook again, and they're bringing all this up, and both are fake, but they're bringing them all up in these, bo- in these uh, you know, school board meetings, and they're bringing them up in faculty meetings, and they just can't get enough of it. And then they're actually debating it with an administrator standing at the front. I mean, I can see this happening. It really is just so sad. Administrator standing in the front of the room, and then Teachers bouncing back and forth, what about this, what about this? And then they're actually debating it, which is even dumber, because they're debating something that didn't even happen. <laughs> I mean, they're debating decision-making on a policy that's based on a lie. Again, it's a drawing of a picture of a hologram, and uh, they just have no idea what they're doing. It's, it's really, it is just embarrassing. Anywho... This one, however, this is the Missouri story regarding how they plan on loosening the substitute requirements ahead of the new school year. Give this one a listen. For the second time in two years, Missouri has loosened substitute teacher requirements to combat a statewide shortage. Missouri Governor Mike Parson signed legislation earlier this summer to allow modification for certifying substitute teachers. As of June of 2022, the state will only require applicants to have 36 hours of college credit as opposed to 60 hours in previous years. The state is also allowing those who want to substitute to take a 20-hour online training course in lieu of college credits. One step at a time, one piece at a time, one domino at a time. It's all falling down now. 
All you have to have is a high school diploma where I live. That's it. High school diploma to be a substitute teacher, but who would want to do that anyway now? I've been through, again, looking at this multidimensionally, I've, I've, I've been through all the different angles on this substitute issue. If you have a fully awake person who knows what's going on, that person doesn't want to be a substitute teacher. If you have an individual who is, now we're working our way back down the spectrum to dead asleep, okay? The very next person isn't jabbed, has a pretty decent idea of what's going on, and doesn't want to be around jabbed people for fear that they'll make them ill. Does that person want to be a substitute teacher and enter these school buildings because of the shedding? No, they don't. So those two people are now gone now. Those categories of individuals, that's it. Take it all the way now to the end of the spectrum to the dead asleep person. The triple jabbed, quadruple jabbed, mask wearing numbskull who wants to be a substitute teacher. Does that person really want to enter a school building with other jabbed individuals now with this monkeypox stuff going around? among gays who are engaging in sexual conduct and whatever else as a result of, of course, having AIDS brought on by the bioweapon shots. Does that person want to be a substitute teacher? No, they don't. Because they're already sick, which means they don't want to be in that environment because they believe in their heads that schools are, of course, packed to the gills with countless people. So in their heads, they're saying, well, if I go into a place like that, I'm more likely to get sick. Why would that person want to be a substitute teacher? They wouldn't. Which means if you have individuals on both ends of the substitute teaching spectrum of uh, potential candidates to actually be substitute teachers, who in that spectrum would actually want to do it? The answer is no one, nobody, except for maybe a pedophile. Other than that, I can't think of anybody that would want to actually be a substitute teacher. So I, it's, it's lose-lose. They can, they can chip away at all of the previously held requirements that they want. It's not going to fix the problem. Their recruitment and retention regardless of the school building, regardless of the district, county, or state, is in the absolute sewer right now. And it's not going to get better. Which sort of leads me to this, and you know, I was going to bring this up later, but I, I might as well bring this up now, since I'm sort of already talking about the <clears throat> school environment and the monkeypox stuff. This, this monkeypox stuff... Um, I've said this on Gab on, on a number of occasions. First of all, there was audio of a doctor that I put on Gab where the guy openly says, the vaccine for monkeypox is remarkably poisonous. It kills people and it can paralyze them. Causes serious uh, neurodegenerative conditions. So saith he. Okay, so that's not, those aren't my words. That's what a 
That's what a medical doctor is saying. He's saying avoid it at all costs. Now again, what is monkeypox? It is not shingles. Shingles is usually brought on, again, as, a, as it's related to stress or an autoimmune condition of some kind, mainly stress, unless, again, there's some kind of an underlying condition present. You take antibiotics with shingles, and then it goes away. That's it. I had shingles 11 years ago. Um, it's not a big deal. In fact, it's hilarious because in the shingles commercials, which are remarkably misleading and completely ridiculous, shingles starts off as the smallest cluster of like two small bubbles. And I remember I had them right on my back, on the, on the right side of my back. And it's not gross or anything, like, like I said, you know, like they show you in the commercials. It's not this giant, scabby, you know, pus-filled thing. That's not what it is. It looks like a bug bite. And then it just kind of starts to blister. And then you're like, and then of course, because I taught what shingles was for a living, I knew what it was. And I went, oh, it's shingles. It makes perfect sense. I went to the doctor, uh, showed him my back, and, he, and I said, it's shingles. And he goes, really? And I said, yes. Write me a prescription for uh, a shingles antibiotic and I'll be on my way. And he goes, all right, well, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like shingles, yeah. And I went, I know. Just shut up and write the prescription. And he did. And that was it. And I took it. And you, yeah, again, you take it for a week. It's like two pills a day for a week and it's gone. That's it. And it only exists on one side of your body. Where, the, where those shingles commercials are misleading is that it makes it look like it's this giant thing that pops up and wraps around an entire side of your body in multiple spots. And then it starts to bleed and leak everywhere and, you know, don't touch the shingles, you know, the shingles person. It's, it's not contagious in that regard, number one. Um, and number two, only a, only a moron would let it actually last that long to where it gets, you know, around the body. And you're just going, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like these people on uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. If you've ever seen that show, I think her name is Dr. Lee. You know, these people will walk in and they'll have a football size goiter coming out of the side of their neck. And they're saying to themselves, and again, it, it blows me away, now, you know, the, the, the brains of these people. But they've got this football thing sticking out of the side of their neck and they're going, you know what? It really just started off like the size of a penny. And then it just kind of got out of hand. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You felt a thing that felt like the size of a penny on your neck and you weren't suspicious. And then all of the sudden, it just blows up into the size of a football. But your, your justification for that somewhere in between is, is, well, it just got out of hand. I don't think so. You were staring at it. You were wearing scarves. You, you put a baseball cap on it like a hat rack. You were doing some weird shit with it, playing with it, drawing on it, you know, instead of just going to the doctor and having it taken out. So what's, what's funny about the shingles thing, and it stretches into this monkeypox stuff, is that they're blowing it out of proportion. It's being blown out of proportion. Here's where it comes into the school environment, however, and mark my words, as I've said on Gab, this is going to happen. 
Who else blows things out of proportion medically over the last two and a half years more than anybody else? If you said American K-12 schools and universities, you'd be correct. Because what's going to happen is, is gay staff members are going to end up with monkeypox, and some other people might too, not only because, you know, they have AIDS, and, uh, you know, as a result of the jabs, and their completely compromised immune systems are just walking around the entire school building. But students are going to get it too, because students are jabbed too. And if they're having autoimmune conditions, the same as their teachers and or administrators, all in that tight, enclosed environment, ladies and gentlemen, what do we expect to happen? I don't think we're going to go the school year without seeing monkeypox stories in American K-12 schools and schools having to shut down because of monkeypox. It's going to happen. I think it's inevitable, but that's just me. I mean, I could be wrong, but, you know, it kind of uh, <laughs> fits the bill, doesn't it? I mean, look what they did with everything else over the last two and a half years. I mean, what do we, uh, you know, what do we expect? Two years, rather. Whatever, two and a half. Somewhere in there. These are, not, these are not thinking people. These are not bright. They have all jabbed themselves into AIDS. And now we're just assuming that, again, walking around these school environments is going to be healthy. And they don't know why they have a substitute shortage or a bus driver shortage. They can't figure it out. Blows me away. Again, I'm going to get back to the monkeypox uh, thing later because I have an article, uh, peer-reviewed article from that that I, that I want to read. However, first, this one tickles me funny, ladies and gentlemen. I love this story. I had to bring it up. I put it up uh, uh, on my Gab page. It's, it's too good because this right here is a perfect example of doubling down in the right direction. This comes from The Guardian, so I apologize for the website, but it's titled, you probably heard of this, U.S. Library Defunded After Refusing to Censor LGBTQ Authors. Quote, we will not ban the books. Residents of Jamestown, Michigan, voted this week to shut down town's library rather than tolerate certain LGBTQ books. I love it. I love it. They said, you're not going to get rid of the books? Great. We're going to defund you. And they did. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. This is how you take it back. Just like all the school levies that are going to be on the November ballot all across the nation because they're all broke. And they've all mismanaged all the CARAX money. They're losing teachers. No one wants to sub. And they're losing students. And they can't beg the State Departments of Education for enough money anymore. Based on their false enrollment numbers that they're providing them, they can only lie about that so long. Eventually, they have to come to the taxpayer and the property, the, the property owners. Again, anybody who would vote for a levy, for a school levy, you're, I mean, that's a, that's a certain level of stupid right there. That is a special, special person. Because, again, you're voting for higher taxes. You're voting to tax yourself. To do what? Brainwash your own child. I have a better idea. Why don't you go out in the garage, take a, a, a metal mallet, and bash your feet in? 
Why not just do that? It's the same thing. Back to this library story. Small town library is at risk of shutting down after residents of Jamestown, Michigan voted to defund it rather than tolerate certain LGBTQ plus themed books. Residents voted on Tuesday to block a renewal of funds tied to property taxes. I love it. The vote leaves the library with funds through the first quarter of next year. Once a reserve fund is used up, it will be forced to close. Larry Walton, the library's board president, told Bridge, Michigan, harming not just readers, but the community at large. Beyond books, resident beyond books, residents visit the library for its Wi-Fi, he said, and it houses the very room where the vote took place. Aw, too bad. You're gonna lose Wi-Fi and a voting room. Boo-hoo. I love this. I, I love it. This makes me just warm everywhere. Residents ultimately voted 62% to 37% against the measure that would have raised property taxes by roughly $24 in order to fund the library, even as they approved similar measures to fund the fire department and road work. Well, of course, because we need a fire department and we need the roads fixed. What we don't need is Weimar Germany all over again. That's what we don't need. It's incredible. And again, just these brainwashed goons who are, you know, I mean, uh. here's the other thing too. I'm certain that the library left out the fact that they've had drag queen story hours there. I'm sure they left that out because they can't, they can't say that, can they? They don't want that cat out of the bag. Absolutely crazy. Here's another one, and this one was weird too, I thought. It comes from AmericanGreatness.com. Democrats to deny free lunches for Christian school that won't cave to LGBT mandates. It says the Biden administration is preparing to engage in political persecution against a Christian school in Florida that will not accept the administration's new proposed, I'm sorry, new pro-LGBTQ plus mandates, even though the school has already qualified for a religious exemption. Ladies and gentlemen, this continues to prove that these lawbreakers are openly breaking the law, telling you they're going to break the law. They want to break the law. And they want to keep you from exercising all of your lawful rights. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. They're robbing a bank in broad daylight without masks on, guns loaded, pointing them in people's faces, and everybody's the witness. It says, according to the Washington Free Beacon, the school, Grant Park Christian Academy in Tampa, is being represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom. The school is filing a lawsuit against the Biden administration and Florida's Agriculture Commissioner, uh, Nikki Freed, or Fried, who is enforcing the federal mandate dictating that schools must accept pro-LGBTQ policies, or else lose lunch funding. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but isn't that extortion? I thought that was extortion. I thought extortion was a crime. It's incredible. This is incredible. 
Um, Let's see. The federal mandate comes as a result of the Biden White House recently announcing its own reinterpretation of federal Title IX guidelines in which the meaning of sex has been changed to include so-called gender identity. As a result, the administration now considers civil rights in education to include alleged transgender rights. Among other requirements, schools must now allow students to use whichever restroom and gender-separated facilities they prefer, such as locker rooms. Does any of this sound like a healthy environment to anybody with a brain between their ears? Anyone. Grant Park subsequently refused to make changes to its policies to accommodate gender identity, leading to the threats by the administration to remove funding for its daily two meals and snacks for all 56 students. 56 students. They're picking a fight with a private Christian school with 56 students in it. In the coming fall semester, if the school's application for the lunch funding is not approved by August 10th, they will not be reimbursed for the cost of the food. Honest to God, bring your own lunch. Bring your own lunch. Ignore them. Fire the people that are doing the pro-LGBT XYZ crap. Get rid of them. Don't hire them in the first place. Pretty simple. You can ask these questions in an interview and then just not give them a call back. So what's your stance on the LGBT uh, curriculum? And what's your stance on this issue existing in school? Ask that in an interview. Why not? Seems like a good way to weed out the riffraff, does it not? But then again, homeschooling parents are laughing their tails off, so what does it matter? God bless. Guns, guns and gays and, and monkeypox and AIDS, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's come down to. What more can we possibly have? I think we can have more. <laughs> and I think, I think we're going to see a whole lot more. I think we are. Speaking of seeing a whole lot more, I have to reiterate this. Uh, earlier, there was a video bouncing around on Gab of an Australian man who had uh, allegedly stopped a car of a doctor who had injected his family member with the bioweapon and had killed his family member. And the guy starts beating on the doctor's car with a boomerang. I mean, you can't even make it up. The only thing he didn't do was throw a kangaroo at him. But, I mean, he started beating, him, beating up the car in the rearview mirror with a... With a a boomerang, and then he starts bashing the window, and then he grabs the doctor by the chest and starts screaming at him about, you know, giving people the deadly shots. This is going to happen in American K-12 schools, in particular in school board meetings. It's going to happen. This is going to ramp up. The intensity in those school board meetings you thought last year and the year before was, was ramped up. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, when you've got jabbed, injured people or the relatives of the jabbed dead popping off on these microphones on the record in front of school board members who were pushing the jabs and the masks. They have no idea what's about to happen. I can't wait. I can't wait. 
I know it's terrible, but I, I, you know, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Here, here's more evidence. A uh, couple of stories here, at least one from the Gateway Pundit. Here's more evidence of the pure denial and stupidity that's taking place now. Of course, it shouldn't surprise us that it's coming from the CDC. And it's titled, Here We Go. New CD study, CDC study claims children and teens with COVID are at greater risk for blood clots, heart problems, kidney failure, and type 1 diabetes did not include vaccination status in the study. Of course they didn't, because it's all a lie. It has nothing to do with quote-unquote COVID. There is no such thing as COVID. It doesn't exist. There's only now the jab shedding. That's it. It's COVID bioweapon jab shedding. It's compromised immune systems from the jabs themselves. It's AIDS. All of the side effects associated with having a compromised immune system and organ failure and the inability to get rid of toxic cells in the human body. And, uh, and, and that's it. The flu shots, however, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be, I'm telling you, this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. These flu shots are going to be rolled out in schools, as they always are, but this year at a level that will be next level. Um, and you're going to have students dropping over who are already COVID jabbed. Now they're going to be getting flu shots. So are staff members. And we think this is going to end well for these people. It's not going to. This won't end well. They will push the flu shots super hard, super hard in the next month or two. And people will take them and people will die on the spot. Again, they, I, I, yeah, I, I got nothing. Health through a needle, so they think. I don't get it. They're too far gone. These people are too far gone. I read a funny post online. It was, uh, it was a Twitter post. Again, the virtue signaling is incredible. An individual was saying that they are uh, thrice jabbed with the flu shot. They always wear two masks when they're out, and when they're on a Zoom call, they always wear one mask. And they've had COVID now for the second time, but they're grateful for the shots. I think I replied to it on Gab, and I said, well, everybody knows you're supposed to wear two masks during a Zoom call. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that. <laughs> it's just insane. These people, these people, they know not what they do. The sad part is, is we have to watch it. We have to watch all of this. I'm getting tired of watching it. All right. This comes from the New England Journal of Medicine now. This is the monkeypox peer-reviewed study. Lots of different authors to this one. Quote, monkeypox virus infection in humans across 16 countries from April to June of 2022. I'll read you the abstract. It's lengthy, so bear with me, please. Um, let's see. Background. 
Before April of 2022, monkeypox virus infection in humans was seldom reported outside African regions where it is an endemic. Currently, cases are occurring worldwide. Transmission risk factors, clinical presentation, and outcomes of infection are poorly defined. Methods. We formed an international collaborative group of clinicians who contribute to the international case series to describe the presentation, clinical course, and outcomes of polymerase chain reaction confirmed monkeypox virus infections. There's no such thing as viruses. It's a compromised immune system from being poisoned. Results. Quote, we report 528 infections diagnosed between April 27 and June of 20, uh, June 24 of 2022 at 43 sites in 16 countries. Overall, 98% of the persons with infection were gay or bisexual men. 75% were white and 41% had human immunodeficiency virus infection. Hmm. Weird. They had AIDS. You know, like the COVID jabs. The median age was 38 years old. This is prime picking for K-12 schools and universities, is it not? The writing is on the wall here. It continues, transmission was suspected to have occurred through sexual activity in 95% of the persons with infection. In this case series, 95% of the persons presented with a rash, with 64% having less than 10 lesions. Mmm, delicious. 73% had anogen ano there we go anogenital lesions mm, delicious and I'm so sorry and 41% had mucosal lesion lesions with 54 having a single genital lesion common systemic features preceding the rash included fever 62% lethargy 41% uh I'm not going to get this one right Malaysia, M-Y-A-L-G-I-A, 31%, and headache, 27%. It says lymph adenopathy was also common, reported in 56%. It then says concomitant sexually transmitted infections were reported in 109 of 377 persons, 29%, who were tested. Among 23 persons, with a clear exposure history, the median incubation period was 7 days, range 3 to 20. Monkeypox virus DNA was detected in 29 of the 32 persons whom seminal fluid was analyzed. Antiviral treatment was given to 5% of the persons overall and 70, 13%, were hospitalized. The reasons for hospitalization were pain management mostly for severe anorectal pain, I bet. 21 persons, soft tissue superinfection, 18 people, uh, pharyngitis, limiting oral intake, 5 people, eye lesions, good God, 2 people, acute kidney injury, 2 people, and myocarditis, 2 people, and infection control purpose, 13 people. No deaths were reported because monkeypox is a symptom of something worse. It isn't deadly. It usually goes away in a week or two. 
But, uh, yeah, it's signs of a much bigger problem. It's, it's, it's just disgusting. It says conclusions. In this case series, monkeypox manifested with a variety of dermatologic and systemic clinical findings. The simultaneous identification of cases outside areas where monkeypox has traditionally been endemic highlights the need for rapid identification and diagnosis of cases to contain further community spread. What I said, though, earlier regarding the doctor's comments remains. People lining up for these monkeypox vaccines are putting themselves in serious peril. Again, how many shots have people taken over the last two years? Over the last, let's say, year and a half? If you're, if you're three deep on, on COVID jabs, assuming you're not four deep, if you're three deep and you're a religious flu shot taker, You've taken five shots in the last year and a half. Five. Recovering heroin addicts don't take that many. And now you add this monkeypox thing on top of it, forget it. People are going to line up for these shots too, and it's game over. It's game over. They just don't get it. Okay. I want to read these two posts now because this is real psychosocial stuff that I've always found fascinating and always will. The social dynamic of what goes on in society with lots of different people and their own experiences. And I'll be sharing more family experiences, I'm sure, in the future. I could do it right now, but I'm going to hold off just a little while longer. Um, another thing that I've been told is that in Kroger's grocery stores, approximately every five to ten minutes or so, they're playing over the speaker system that you still need to get your COVID shots and that people should get their shots and make sure to get them and get your booster if you're eligible. I mean, if it isn't 1984 and people don't understand that from the literary perspective, they're lost. They're absolutely lost. Um, just the constant recordings that are being played. Again, you've heard me talk about the TV radio commercials. Same things. I remember, again, it was a year or so ago. It, it was, they were the worst. Last summer's radio commercials for Black Lives Matter and the COVID shots were just the worst. It's like, look, I just want to listen to some fog hat and mind my own business. Why is it that you're playing all of this nonsense? You know, Black Lives Matter. Get your COVID shots. And I remember those really long, drawn-out commercials, too. I'm a mom and I'm a nurse. And I'm going to get my kids the COVID shots because it's the right thing to do. And then the kids go on, you know, are on there. Of course, they're all actors. But then they go on there and they say, thanks, mom. <laughs> it's just nuts. And then that's the end of the actual commercial. Well, that whole family's dead now, so joke's on them. Okay, anyway, here's, uh, here's one of the first two posts here from greatawakening.win. It says the following. It says, quote, my mother-in-law was like almost 80 years old. And by the way, she has re recently passed away, this particular individual's mother-in-law. That was the title of it. My mother-in-law passed away, I think. 
They said she was in good health for the most part and was being followed by doctors who said she was fine. She had not taken the death shot vax. Well, she used one of those walker things and the wheel jammed or something and she fell. She was brought to the hospital and they kept her in for a few days for observation and sent her home as she was bruised but otherwise okay. While she was in the hospital, they frightened her into taking the gene therapy death shot. She was home like two days and had a heart attack. Then her kidneys gave out. But it was not the safe and effective vax, quote-unquote. Oh no, it was some random heart failure and kidney failure. The doctors are now ducking the family when they try and ask questions. Can't have people connecting dots, can we? That's three people now that I know were killed by the Vax, but their official cause of death never mentioned the shots as per the narrative, Crimes Against Humanity, unquote. This has been happening at an incalculable rate. And again, my nurse friend here who's going to come on for Wednesday's episode, um, I've got a ton I haven't had the conversation with her yet, but I've got questions and I'm just gonna let her go. I'm just gonna say she's gonna remain anonymous, but I'm just gonna say introduce yourself, start from the beginning, go. And you're gonna hear it. And it's uh it's gonna be jacked up because she told me some stuff a while back. They were uh I mean we all know this, okay, but these places were kill camps. They were just slaughterhouses. Which reminds me too, there's audio. It's really interesting, I think. It's on Jim Crenshaw's BitChute channel. And you may recall this guy, but he's an absolute patriot, this dude, 100% awake. And this is the guy who has recorded himself going into a number of pharmacies. And he hands the pharmacists all of the Pfizer docs, including that list of like six some odd pages that has all of the adverse reactions on it, including death, and hands them the VAERS report and shows them all the deaths. He, he does this to these pharmacists and they flip out. The pharmacists just flip out. And of course, then he looks at the pharmacists and calls them murderers and XYZ. Jim Crenshaw has got some video of this same guy going into the hospital as a patient recently. And it's like four, four quick parts, only a couple of minutes long each, of him, again, you can hear him talking to these nurses because he refuses to wear a mask, he refuses to take the shots, he wants to be discharged for this ailment he apparently had, and is allegedly now better. But um, the stupidity among these nurses is next level. You know, they don't even hear the words coming out of their mouths when they're asking even his wife, who is with him, to put the mask on her face. I mean, he looks back at the nurses and he goes, wait a minute. He goes, I'm a patient here. My, my wife is here. I'm not wearing a mask and haven't been the entire time I've been here. And the nurse goes, really? And he goes, yes, my wife is here and she needs to breathe just like I do. She's not going to wear the mask either. And then they finally debate back and forth for almost six, seven minutes. And then eventually his wife puts it around her chin. And according to the male nurse, that's okay. Having it around her chin or having her nose exposed is okay. 
these these are not thinking people. You've again, you've heard me say this. This cognitive decline in cognitive dissonance is not going to get better with time. It isn't. It's going to get worse. And this next post from Great Awakening pretty much uh, solidifies and and exemplifies rather exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm glad they posted this because this is this is nuts. It says it's titled "I tested the willingness of the vaccinated to have a conversation about the vaccine." They said, "quote." And they just can't do it, no matter which way it's explained to them, no matter how much information is given. Even if they ask for it themselves, at some point they just bow out. Most end up not caring and drop the conversation, and the ones who do care get so overwhelmed, even with the most basic information, that they just can't continue. Has anyone else experienced this? It's every single vaccinated person I've ever met, not just a few. It's like they are hardwired to dismiss anything that challenges that choice they made to get it, unquote. It is mass formation psychosis. It is, more importantly, cognitive dissonance. You've heard me read the articles about cognitive dissonance. I've gone through it step by step, all of the characteristics to it. That's exactly what it is. They have to run away from the answer because holding up a mirror to what they've done is too overwhelming for them. They can't, they won't be able to comprehend it. I have to read to some of these comments from that, from that post right there, because there's a lot of comments. There's over 41, actually 59 now, uh, based on that one post. So again, the first person says, yeah, it's cognitive dissonance. It doesn't matter how much factual information you use to prove your point. They will resist it because it causes them too much mental stress. If you push too hard, then they'll attack you. Now, they can attack all they like. That doesn't change the truth. Here's another one. It says, I stopped trying a long time ago. I have a coworker who's married, straight, and cannot wait to get the monkeypox vaccine. Dude is vaxxed and boosted from COVID and will probably keep getting boosted any chance he gets. It's wild. I've tried waking him up after the second attack. I've tried waking him up. After the second attack, I said my prayers and shut my mouth. I don't believe this will end well for him. Of course it won't. I'll spare you the stories of family members who I've tried waking up. I'll let them attack me until it damn near pushed them until they damn near pushed them out of my life. Again, I said my prayers and I shut my mouth. There's nothing more I can do at this point. Cognitive dissonance is a bitch. Unquote. See, here's the thing. We've, we've got to protect the children. I fully understand that adults are suffering from this. And yes, I've brought up stories again of, of children having cognitive dissonance on this show regarding the mask wearing and the jabs and all of that stuff, without a doubt. But they still have a chance. The unjabbed children of the world still have a chance here. And those are the ones that we have got to protect by any means necessary. So this business of shutting your mouth around the jabbed, you know, I'm, I'm not a proponent of that. I don't think that's a good idea, in particular if those people have children. You have to speak up and tell them that getting your, your children jabbed is a death sentence. 
which again, you would think that they would interpret that correctly by saying, oh, wait a minute. So if it's a death sentence for them, does it mean that it is for me? Well, yeah, but don't kill your kids. Um, let me see. Here's another one. It says, it, quote, exactly this. And they were responding to the previous one I just read. It says, I have, I have better luck with complete strangers. I feel I made at least two people not get it. They were already questioning. I just steered them to research. I hope they didn't give in. My family, my kids won't get another, but they took the first one. Good Lord. Uh, they won't get the grandkids, which I'm very thankful. Other family, they have all gotten boosters except for the one sister-in-law who we are hoping listened to us. One of my husband's nieces had breast cancer, is getting treated. She was fine before. They won't make any connections. A good friend of my husband now has thrombosis, just fine before. He can't work consistently. It's so sad but won't make the connection either, unquote. I read another one that had to do with two neighbors, and they were talking about how their neighbor was jabbed, and uh, they even had, again, conversations with this neighbor saying, look, man, you know, it's the jabs, and he was like, whatever, and now the guy, like, can't work, he can hardly move, uh, again, this isn't going to get better as the leaves start to fall from the ground and the sun moves further away from us with the winter months coming. That's why people have got to get out into the sun as much as humanly possible. And you've got to stock up right now on immune defense stuff. I haven't spent much time on melatonin. Ladies and gentlemen, melatonin is critical as well. Uh, vitamin B12, if I haven't said that also, same thing. I recommend lifeextension.com. Check out Life Extension. Great website, ships right to your door. Uh, once you start buying their products, they send you a magazine. You can flip through it. It's a nice, thick, substantial magazine. Um, but they have great products also. So don't feel like you just have to rely on Amazon stuff. You know, I, I recommend getting it from these reliable sources that have been doing this for a long time. But anyway, I could keep reading these posts. They're just, they're just nuts. Uh, I want to end with this. The latest article from Dr. Thomas Sowell. I'm a fan of his, always will be. He's well in his 90s. He just keeps on trucking. I hope he's not jabbed. Uh, here we go. Titled The Point of No Return, authored by Dr. Thomas Sowell. It says, quote, This is an election year, but the issues this year are not about Democrats and Republicans. The big issue is whether this nation has degenerated to a point of no return, a point where we risk destroying ourselves before our enemies can destroy us. It says, quote, if there is one moment that symbolized our degeneration, it was when an enraged mob gathered in front of the Supreme Court and a leader of the United States Senate shouted threats against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh saying, you won't know what hit you, unquote. There have always been irresponsible demagogues. 
But there was once a time when anyone who shouted threats to a Supreme Court justice would see the end of his own political career and could not show his face in decent society again. You either believe in laws or you believe in mob rule. It doesn't matter whether you agree with the law or agree with the mob on some particular issue. If threats of violence against judges and publishing what a judge's children, where a judge's children go to school is the way to settle issues, then there is not much point in having elections or laws. There is also not much point in expecting to have freedom. Threats and violence were the way the Nazis came to power in Germany. Not really. He should read more about history. Freedom is not free. If you can't be bothered to vote against stormtrooper tactics regardless of who engages in them or over what issue, then you can forfeit your freedom. Worse yet, you can forfeit your freedom of generations not yet born. Some people seem to think that the Supreme Court has banned abortions. It has done nothing of the sort. The Supreme Court has in fact done something very different, something long overdue and potentially historic. It is said that their own court had no business making policy decisions which nothing in the Constitution gave them the authority to make. Get out a copy of the Constitution and see if you can find anything in there that says the federal government is authorized to make laws about abortion. Check out the Tenth Amendment, which says the federal government is limited to the specific powers it was granted, with all other powers going to the states or to the people. Why do we elect legislators to do what the voters want done? If unelected judges are going to make up laws on their own instead of applying the laws, that elected officials passed. This is part of a very long struggle that has been going on for more than 100 years. Back in the 20th century, progressives like President Woodrow Wilson decided that the Constitution put too many limits on the powers they wanted to use. Claiming that it was nearly impossible to amend the Constitution, progressives advocated that judges interpret, quote-unquote, the constitutional limits out of the way. This was just the first in a long series of sophistries. In reality, the Constitution was amended four times in eight years, from 1913 through 1920, during the heyday of the Progressive Era. When the people wanted the Constitution amended, it was amended. When the elites wanted the Constitution amended, but the people did not, that is called democracy. Other great sophistry, another great sophistry was using the federal government's authority to regulate interstate commerce to call all sorts of other things interstate commerce. In 1995, elites were shocked when the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four that carrying a gun near a school was not interstate commerce. States had a right to ban carrying a gun near a school, and most of them did. But the federal government had no such authority, nor did the Constitution give the federal government the right to make laws about abortion one way or the other. What both state and federal laws do have the right to stop is threats against judges and their families. This is not a partisan issue. The Republican governor of Virginia is providing protection to Supreme Court justices who live in that state, but the Republican governor of Maryland seemed to think that harassing judges and their families is no big deal. Voters need to find out who is for or against mob rule, whether they are Democrats or Republicans. 
They are not going to be a free or decent society otherwise, unquote. This requires, I think, a bit of a discussion, just briefly here. I would simply ask Dr. Soule, define mob. What do you mean by mob? Because again, it clearly carries with it a negative connotation and rightfully so. But as we know, the enemy would look at us and say, well, you're the mob. You're showing up at school board meetings and yelling and school board members are afraid because quote unquote democracy's messy. That's what they say. That's the tone that they use, just like a good little useful idiot and a Marxist. That's what they say. Democracy's messy. No one says that except for a Marxist. So they clearly think that, again, because we disagree with them, because we are morally sound humans and they, of course, are not, that, uh, that we are the mob. So... Again, no offense to Dr. Soul, it just goes deeper than that. It's not about mob rule, per se. It's about what's the message and, and what are you willing to do? I agree with him 100% that calling for acts of violence against innocent people is outrageous. Um, you know, there's a guy doing three years in jail, I think, at least three years in jail now for sending threatening, life-altering emails to uh, Anthony Fauci. Well, who among us hasn't wanted Anthony Fauci to hang from the nearest lamppost? I think most of us have, because he's a criminal of the highest order. Deborah Burks, so on and so forth, the list is endless. We just live in a lawless nation where it's clearly one-sided and getting worse. But again, it can't be misinterpreted that those of us defending our country are the mob. Standing up for ourselves in our homeland, we, that does not make us the mob. It makes us very aware of what's going on. It actually makes us students of history, all of us. Hopefully, anyway, but that's the state of affairs right now. And I don't see it getting cleaner the closer we get to November and elections in November. I, I just don't. Not to mention, of course, everything that's happening in the entire university and school environment. And that's going to be rolling out in horrific fashion, I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, stick around again this week. Wednesday, my nurse friend will be on, stories aplenty, I'm sure, and then of course, later on in the future, we're having Dr. Robin McCutcheon back on as well. So I'll catch you on Wednesday, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.